Our special guest today, Mike Shorman, first athlete to paddle across all five Great Lakes, our Canadian hero, Joe Tilly's Great Canadian Sports Show, coming up! Today's guest hails from Toronto. He is an endurance athlete, former junior karate champion. He is the paddle candidate, advanced coach with a gold standard, an established author, motivational speaker, mental health leadership award winner, and the first athlete to successfully paddleboard across all five Great Lakes. Welcome to the program, Mike Shorman. Mike, great Thanks, to have you here. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Thanks for, for having doing me, this. You're looking. You're you're looking better than you did a couple of days ago when we first tried to do this. <laughs> you have some blackmail material on me. <laughs> <laughs> you sent a picture and said, Joe, look at me. Said, oh yeah, Mike, you're not looking too good. You're not looking too good. So um uh so yeah, I'm 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 look I you know, we're We've uh, been in contact with your name, and it's Mike Shorman, and I look what you do with the paddle boarding and everything else. And I'm thinking to myself, shouldn't it be Mike Offshoreman? <laughs> yeah, no, I think um, you know the name. The name lends itself to it very nicely. My dad keeps joking that that I owe him royalties forever um, <laughs> with with that name. But um, but no, it's it's you know it, it it's funny that you know shore is part of the name and and I kept on trying to reach shore, um, you know, all summer. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. No, it certainly does fit. No doubt about it. Um, I want to talk about uh, first of all the the beginning. I'm looking at your your uh, your bio, and it says uh, I know you played hockey as a kid at Pedri Marina. Sounds like everything was great at that particular time. And then uh, 1996 Junior World Karate Champion. Let's talk about that a little bit, uh, uh, your karate care, uh, career. Yeah, so it was, um, you know, I actually went into karate uh, because I was bullied in school. Um, so my parents put me in karate as, um, as I think, uh, most, most importantly, a uh, confidence builder. Um, and to to teach me that you know I was capable of of defending myself in in situations if if need be, and um, and karate is interesting because there's two kind of elements to it. There's you know sparring, which is the actual um, fighting component of it, and then there's the kata, which is um, the actual discipline with all the artistic um, elements combined. So, so I I did karate for a few years, and um, in 1996 the world championships came up, and they were in Canada that year, and um, and we entered, um, and I didn't you know I didn't expect to to do anything really, um, you know. In these competitions, they always call out at the end, um, you know, the winners, um, and they always start, you know, usually at fourth place and then third place and then second. And by the time I think it got to, by the time I think it got to third third place was 
was announced. I'm in second. And I was like, oh, it's done. Um, and then they and then they announced and then they announced my name and and the whole place went crazy. It was it was pretty pretty cool moment. And then and then we decided, you know, now now's the time to retire. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah. I well I, I did I did I was a boxer, right? So I, I did a lot of amateur boxing and and uh, and I remember that uh, it would, would be fun to just win a title and go up on, on, on top. But the problem is, is you win a one Alberta championship, then you're fighting trying to win the Canadian championship, trying to win other championships, and it keeps going and going and going. But there's part of me going, I wonder if this will ever end. I'm always going to be chasing something. But yeah. So this was the kata part portion of it then, right? So this is the kata. This is the artistic yes. portion of it, and and uh, and something that you weren't expecting to win, obviously. Yeah. No. So so it's all it's set up so that you're doing all the elements of your particular um, belt category um, in the formation of an of an eye shape. Uh, the shape of of an alphabetical eye, um, and and yeah, no, I I I did it, and I you know I was just doing it for for fun that day. I thought it was just you know something. I was just I was just a youngster. I thought it was you know a lot of fun, and um, and yeah, no, I wasn't. I wasn't expecting. I wasn't even thinking that I would place. Um, but but turned out that you know it was a big moment, and um, and and yeah, no, it was very cool. It was very, it was very cool. Yeah, that that is that is great, and it, you know, it, it uh, uh, that that is it is good time to go out on the top for sure, no doubt about it, and and that's what you remember from that part of your your life and it's great so um so it sounds like things in your life were pretty normal i would say i mean you, you obviously had some great successes and, and you had some uh, great successes in paddle boarding as well but uh and then and then uh you were hit by um uh, disease ramsey hunt syndrome is that pretty much the way it was is it, everything was normal and, and, and then you were uh, hit with that disease yeah, so I was operating. Uh, I I fell in love with the sport of paddleboarding. Um, I fell into it accidentally. Um, I took a lesson and I fell in love with it. And and then I got a board and I got a couple more boards. And then you know all of a sudden you have five boards and and you're you're looking at all of these, thinking you know I should be doing something with this and. And I wanted to to teach, and I wanted to share what I loved about paddleboarding with other people, and to you know to build them up and watch them become become good at it. And uh, so, I became certified with Paddle Canada, and I taught professionally for several years. I was certified in Quebec, and um, and yeah, I set up shop in Toronto, and I taught out of Cherry Beach. And what we used to do was we used to, I used to teach people in front of the Toronto skyline um, and give them kind of the full um, experience of, of Toronto at, at night. Um, and, and it was kind of billed as date night, like the perfect date night. Uh, mm-hmm. People would bring their, people would bring their dinner out and, 
and and we set that up and and it ran for several years and uh, I loved it and uh, and then everything kind of changed in in 2018 um, as you mentioned I developed a neurological condition suddenly called Ramsey Hunt syndrome which a lot of people will be familiar with uh, from this summer uh, from Justin Bieber. Uh, he announced in June that he was canceling his tour um, because he developed it. So Ramsey Hunt syndrome is a reactivation of the chickenpox virus as shingles, and it's specific uh, in how it attacks. So it becomes Ramsey Hunt syndrome if it attacks either your eye or your ear, um, and it can attack your vestibular system, and it can present mild to severe um, uh, problems, challenges. Um, Anything from, you know, tinnitus to not being able to walk. Um, And and unfortunately for me, uh, in in my case in 2018, um, it, it, it hit everything. So all the nerves in my face shattered. And it looked like I'd had a stroke. I um, I lost uh, about fifty percent of my hearing, uh, vision obstruction. I was having. I had to go through. Um, I had to go through speech therapy, physical rehabilitation to learn how to walk. Um, and vertigo was it was and is still a big part of my condition. So I don't really like to turn my head from side to side very much. Even still, there are still effects from it? Yeah, so I'm affected by the barometric pressure. Uh, So when the air pressure changes, um, I feel it in my body. Uh, I I am affected by, um, uh, in terms of exhaustion, and in terms of... um, uh, migraines. I get really bad migraines from it. Um, and, and that causes me to be physically sick. Um, but, but less than, less than it used to be. So it, it, it's, it's less than it used to be, but there's still, still lingering effects. And, and, uh, but when the disease hit, uh, you know, in addition to, you know, the vertigo, the hearing, vision, mobility, everything is, uh, you know, having to learn there was a there was a mental component too, which you you uh, which you talked about. You know, and 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 I heard you talk about that, and 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 that was kind of the the part that really hit you the the hardest, isn't it? Like that the the, the mental component. Tell us about about that part of your journey. Yeah, I think I think from going from somebody being quite athletic, like when I was operating, I was on the water from nine a.m until 9 p.m. every day from May until the end of September. Um, I was very social. I was um, I was out and about doing what I loved. And suddenly, I was unable to walk. My face had sunk in, and I didn't recognize what I looked like in the mirror anymore. Um, so I became isolated. I lost my business, my income. Um, I lost my social life um, and my independence. I couldn't walk from from my living room to the kitchen. 
of, of my parents' home. Um, and I needed them to look after me. Um, so, and I, I didn't see a way out of it. Um, because in, in the very early beginning stages, um, progress, uh, was, was happening very slowly. Um, you, you, you know, I couldn't see it. Um, and, and, and I didn't, I didn't know if, if there was progress being made at all or, or how this was going to move forward. It was, it was very scary. Um, and no conversation, you know, I was being sent, unfortunately, in my case, I was medically misdiagnosed. Um, I missed a, I missed a critical 72 hour window for treatment, um, to go on steroids. And I was being sent for, for MRIs to rule out brain damage. Um, it was, um, it was a very scary time. And, um, and I think with men, especially we had this tendency to say I'm fine, um, and you know I'm I'm using a cane to walk, and I have an eye patch covering my eye to protect it from you know losing vision, and 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 I wasn't I wasn't fine, but I was saying I was fine, and um, and it just got to the point where where I I just felt like I I can I can't go on like this anymore, and I I don't want to, um, so. So yeah, it came to a head, and um, and I was I was forced by my family um, into into treatment, and uh, they gave me an ultimatum out of love, and uh, and I took it, and I went for a stay in a in a mental health treatment facility, and it was there that I I was given the tools um, and coping strategies that that I, I didn't have previously. Um, and it kind of, it, it set me up on, on the road to, to recovery. Yeah. So, um, as a recovered alcoholic, I understand that, you know, the necessity for, for reaching out and asking for help and, you know, and reaching those bottoms when you, when you, uh, when you think you keep trying to do it on your own, you keep trying to do it on your own, keep trying to do it on your own, keep trying to do it on your own. And what happens to a lot of us, you know, people with that's the type of mental illness as well, is that, uh, you know, that, that uh, the bottom is sometimes suicide, right? And, and, and that's a frequent uh, result. And so, um, you know, you get to that point where your family forces you into uh, making that decision. And, you know, before you make that decision, I remember for me, it's like, uh, I, I, I'm going to be able to figure this out eventually, but you never do. And it just gets worse, right? It just gets worse and worse and worse. And you think I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to figure this out. I'm gonna get this. I'm going to do this. I don't need help. I don't need help. But for some reason, our society kind of lends itself to, to that belief that somehow suck it up, pull up your socks, pull up your bootstraps and, and you know, and, and, and do this because, uh, uh, you can, but you know what? On our own, we can't. And you talked about isolation, which makes it worse, right? Um, yeah. You know, people like uh, you know Gabor Mate talk about uh, addiction. You know, the, the opposite of addiction isn't like non-addiction. The opposite of addiction is is connection. So we lose that connection in 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 our, in our self-loathing, our self-centeredness, and our self you know disgust, whatever it is. 
we lose that in ourselves and we, we don't reach out for help and, and, uh, until we have to. And then when we have to, things can change. So that's a beautiful uh, thing that things you were able to get to that point. You also, a couple of years ago, you released the book, uh, Diaries of the Unbalanced Paddleboarder, Crash and Rise from Victim to Thriving Survivor. Uh, why did you feel it was important to write this book? You know, I had just, it was, it was interesting. I came out of that, um, that time in 2019, spending um, time in that treatment facility. And, and this was about six months after everything had happened um, physically. Um, and I was just kind of coming to terms. And I kind of saw at that point that as my, you know, I came out of that mental health treatment facility with a lot of confidence restored that was lost. And, and from there, opportunities and doors just kept on opening um, in that, you know, before, you know, when I had my paddleboarding business, I positioned myself within the Toronto market. Paddleboarding is huge in Toronto. Um, there were so many businesses. And so one of the things that I did was I called up the Canadian Safe Boating Council. They always do uh, media demonstrations on the Victoria Day long weekend in partnership with the Ontario Provincial Police. And I called them up and I said, you need a paddleboarding guy to do demonstrations. <laughs> and they said, uh, they said, yeah, we do. And, um, and I said, okay, I think I should be that guy for you. So I quickly took that spot and, um, and, and, you know, I built my business that way. Um, I became, you know, I, I was all over the news. People found me that way and I built up my business very quickly. And, you know, through, through all of what happened, um, I, I didn't tell everybody what was going on. But, but, you know, a few weeks after I got out of that mental health treatment facility, I got an email from the Canadian Safe Boating Council saying, you know, we've got our thing coming up. Uh, will you do water safety demonstrations? And, and I didn't tell them what happened, but I did, I did bring in other people to do it. And I kind of passed the torch to them that day. Um, but it put me back on the water. Um, when all the media vans pulled away, I was there with my friends who had paddle boards and I got on the paddle board for the first time again. Um, you know, doctor said that I, I wouldn't be able to, um, but, but I lasted a few minutes sitting down and, and I used incremental wind building over the next kind of six to eight weeks. Um, you know, the first time I was on the water for three minutes and then that went to five minutes and then it went to seven and then, and then I was, on the water for you know half an hour and then slowly an hour, um, and then and then that summer a friend sent me this thing called Speaker Slam, and it I didn't know what it was, but it turns out it's North America's largest inspirational speech competition, and I'd never given a speech before in my life, and I didn't know what I was doing, but um, but I thought okay, we'll 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 do this. And, um, and I thought, okay, if, you know, if I can uplift a, a few people in a room of 400, um, with the story of getting back on our paddle boards when we're knocked off them, kind of like getting back up on the horse, um, you know, maybe, maybe it'll be cathartic for me and maybe it'll be good for somebody else. And, um, 
Anyways, that speech went viral that night. It won. Um, and it went viral and it got millions of views. And, um, you know, Ashton Kutcher shared it and a bunch of people, crazy people shared it. And, and it gave me this platform that I, I wasn't expecting and I didn't really know what to do with. Um, and it connected me with people from all around the world who were watching this talk, who were, you know, I was talking about mental health and, and, you know, getting back up when we're knocked, when we're knocked down. And, um, and I thought, you know, I did a six minute speech. There's much more than a six minute speech. There's a book here. Um, and so I started writing and, and in 20, 2020, the, the book came out. That's crazy. That's really, really cool how, uh, you know, things come together like that. So, uh, so you talked about being cathartic and did you find that that was the case? I mean, so you had some, it sounds like you had some aha change, life changing moments and like, you know, reestablishing life moments and maybe getting back to the paddle board, maybe doing this talk, maybe writing this book. Is it a combination of those things that help you get, get to where you are today? I think so. I think, you know, throughout all of this, what I've done uh, without really even realizing it in the very beginning was taking one win and leveraging that for my next one. Um, so getting, you know, getting mental health treatment led me to getting back on the paddleboard. Getting on the paddleboard led me to doing a talk about getting on the paddleboard. Um, that speech led me to, to writing a book and then launching it. Um, and then, and then from that, everything has just kind of happened organically. So, uh, what do you say to people who, uh, who have run into difficulties with health and, and other, and other things and, and are in that depressed state now, uh, you know, you tell them that what? Well, I tell them to rely on their support networks and to not shut them out. Um, I think that was one of the biggest lessons that I learned from, from my own experience, um, was that, you know, I, I thought that I was, I was a burden on people and I thought I was letting them down and that, and, and ultimately that they would be better off without me. And, and that's not the, that's not the case. Um, and, and that was, that was a hard lesson to, to learn and, you know, things we live in a in a very a very troubled trying dark world at times um and it can be very dark even even for people who mentally um are good day to day um but but we need the people in our life like the our our support networks our, our greatest supports um and and those are the people that will that will lift us up. And you know, uh, you know, I guess just to add to that too is that you know you talked about sometimes the world can seem like a dark place, but it has to do with our perception as well. And uh, you know, you know, if you if you just watch the news all day long, you're in some type of news cycle, and you can, you can make you think that the world is a very dark place. And of course, uh, to me, it's like. I like to surround myself with positive people who have a positive outlook and, and, uh, you know, there are, there are lots of those who, who, uh, who help me to have a different perspective of, of 
the world and life in general. So that's really important. You know, people like yourself are inspiration. You know, and and, and uh, you know that's uh, that's awesome that Ashton Kusher took your story and, and uh, shared it uh, because Crazy. I think you know yeah it's that's so so cool and uh, but that's you know the inspiration is there and you know it hits us in the field sometimes and sometimes it's uh, it's good to uh, you know it's good to go there and 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 have that feeling but you know what there's a lot of kind things we can do with you know. I was um, had uh, Sarah Nurse on the show. And we were talking about the, uh, you know, Chevrolet Good Deeds Cup, and it's just like these are good deeds we can always just do. You know, the world's a better place when we're looking for ways uh, to be to be to other people, and that's just just there, there's just other ways to look at the world. Which when you're in a dark, deep, dark place, it's hard to see it, but there is another way. Sometimes we just have to stay, and we're going to find that, and we're going to eventually find that out. Just have get through this tough time right now so in uh in 2021 you tried crossing lake ontario and you're you're moving in what made you think that idea to, to try to cross uh, lake ontario so when that speech went viral i started getting approached by um news media outlets in canada um wanting to to talk about, you know, my experience and, and cover the story. And I was doing all these different interviews at the time. And, and at the same time, um, I'd found this organization called Jack.org, which is Canada's national youth mental health charity. And, um, and it just popped up on my Instagram one day. There was this guy wearing this shirt um, and it said, this is what a mental health advocate looks like. And I thought, oh, I, I want to support these guys. I want, I want to get this shirt and, and help, help, you know, the funds from that shirt. We're going to help um, put mental health programs in schools and in communities in every province and territory across Canada. Um, and I like that. Um, I felt... Um, I felt in alignment with it because of where I went in my mental health journey, um, especially with not being able to take care of myself, um, needing help. You know, I needed help bathing. I needed help going to the grocery store. Um, so I felt almost childlike. Um, and, and so I identified with children and youth struggling with their mental health. So I contacted jack.org and I said, look, this, this is what's going on. Um, I did this talk, it went viral. I'm, you know, I'm doing these media appearances. How can we leverage this to, to help your organization? And, and they said, well, what would you like to do for us? And, and I said, well, you know, we could we could do a number of things, but but if you want me to to help in in some way, we can we can do that. And um, so I I held an event, um, and the first event, um, I was hoping that twenty paddleboarders were going to come out and go paddleboarding with me, um, and and it turned into two hundred paddleboarders from all across Ontario, and and then the next year. Um, 
I was hoping to build on that. Um, and, you know, we'd raise a lot of money and, and it would help them. And, and then, you know, COVID hit and we were about to go into a lockdown in Toronto. And I think about 35 people showed up. Uh, we were days from going into a lockdown and, um, and there was a lot of fear in the air and, um, and it was a good time, but I, I left feeling like, like this had really, you know, kind of squashed everything. And, uh, so I, so I had, um, a debrief with them following that event and I said, okay, we need to pandemic proof this, and this needs to become something newsworthy to get the attention of people so that they will donate and so that they will help, um, your organization. And they said, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I think I'll become the first person with disabilities to go from one country to another uh, on a paddleboard. And, um, and, and we decided that I was going to go from New York State to Toronto in 2021. And, um, and yeah, so we set that up. And uh, I went into it, I kind of ran into it without realizing um, all of the elements that were going to be needed. And, um, and it was going to become a three-day crossing. It would have become the longest crossing of Lake Ontario in Canadian history. It was going to go from Rochester all the way to Toronto. And, uh, and it was going to wow. be about 140 kilometers. And, um, and on the second day, a hurricane went up the East Coast, hitting New Jersey, and that triggered nine-foot waves on Lake Ontario. So I was watching Whoa. my support boats go up and then come crashing down uh, all day. Um, and I didn't know this, but they were violently ill on that boat. Um, and then eventually it was called for for their safety and for my safety. Um, and and we uh, we came back by boat and um, and we met all the all the all the people in Toronto, all the media, I had to make a, a statement. It was very emotional, um, mm. you know, not announcing that, you know, that, you know, we set out to accomplish so much, but, but uh, we couldn't get the job done in the way that I'd hoped. And, um, and that I was going to take some time to, to think about, um, what what we were gonna do next, um, but but we would be back. And uh, so it's back to the drawing board uh, after that that first attempt, and uh, you came back with uh, with another plan. I uh, I couldn't make it across yeah. one lake, but I'm gonna do five. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, good on you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember when. When I first, when I first publicly announced it, um, the feedback, um, you know, so, some of the some of the Canadian media was pretty rough with me at first. They were like, "Yeah, we'll see how that goes." <laughs> um, and I was I was initially very angry um, because I was like, "This is for kids." Um, I I didn't understand it. Um, but, but I, I see, I see, you know, where, where their line of thought was now. 
Um, but, but yeah, no, I, I, I went to, to my boat captains and I said, um, what was accomplished out there? You know, we were going to do 140 kilometers. What, what did we do? And they said, you did 71. And, um, and I thought, okay. So then I started, I went to, you know, I went to Google and I, I started looking up swimmers and I looked up Vicky Keith. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I, you know, she crossed, she swam across all the great lakes in 1988. And, and I started looking at, you know, her roots and her distances and what she did. And, um, and I saw that the two longest crossings that she did were Lake Huron and were Lake Michigan and Lake Michigan. And they were 73 and 76. And I thought, okay, well, we did 71 on Lake Ontario. Mm-hmm. We just went the wrong way on Lake Ontario. Um, so, so we need to plan this out better. Um, I need to train a lot more. And we need to build a monster team um, that will execute this properly. Um, and that kind of began... Um, you know, this all, the crossings began in, in May of 2022, the planning began in, in October of 2021. So for those, uh, of you, uh, for those folks watching who don't understand the, uh, the geography here, so you were the first time in 2021, Rochester is probably parallel to Kingston. Like it's a very Eastern part of Lake Ontario. And now you're coming down to the very western part of Lake Ontario. It is a really long route to get across Lake Ontario. And uh, could have done that a lot easier, of course, and, and you did. And, but we're going to get to that because we're going to go through your trip now. We're going to start off with your, your first leg, which is the uh, trip across Lake Erie. Uh, let's talk about that. And Vic, if you can roll some of that video. Here we are. So this, this took you seven and a half hours. Now, you can hear yeah. someone encouraging you to keep it up. They were saying, you're flying. Now, who was that? Tell us about your team. Uh, so I had two boats with me that day. Um, I had a big boat, and then I had a smaller support boat. That smaller support boat um, was, a, was a close friend of mine. Every 30 minutes, they would, they would stop. Um, they would blow a whistle. Um, I'd come over and they'd hand me a a shake with water Mm -hmm. and carbohydrate powder. So I was being fed every 30 minutes throughout each of the crossings. Um, But, but yeah, no, I, I had a bit, I probably the biggest team of all of the crossings was on that first crossing. Um, And yeah, no, that was, that was the, the, you know, Vicky Heath said, this is going to be the warm up. This is going to be the tester. Um, but it, it was interesting being out there. You know, you're going from New York all the way into Crystal Beach. Um, to the right of me, I could see, I could see Buffalo. Um, and, you know, you don't visually take in what it, you know, you, you think you're actually much closer than you are. Um, mm-hmm. I kept on saying, "Okay, we're going to be there in two hours," and we and we weren't. Um, and, we, <laughs> and we kept on getting we kept on getting pulled off 
off off um, off track with the, with currents that day. Um, so so it was a it was a good warm up. Yeah, seven and a half hour warm up, pretty good. Uh, so you you uh, you reached land at Crystal Beach, and I know what you mean by perception, right? Here we are, reaching land at Crystal Beach, first person to take a paddleboard from Canada to the U.S. And how are you feeling at this stage? Uh, I'm feeling relieved <laughs> that uh, that it's <laughs> done, and um, and and pretty pretty happy. Um, I. Yeah, no, I, I felt you know this this was used as as the confidence builder, um, so that you know you always start with this with the small. I think um, you know I th- I think you know kind of like figure skaters, like you do like a warm up jump and then you go into your big ones, um, mm-hmm. and and this one kind of this one kind of set the the tone and and also a lot of learning lessons. Um, one, I was going to the bathroom, um, you know, while I was out there on my board. Um, these are marathons. And, and in that one particularly, um, I, I, I changed very fast, but um, I would hop off the board and go into the water and I'd hang off the board like this. And, and my team, I'd tell them to turn around because I was going to go to the bathroom and then I'd have to tell them to be quiet because I needed to concentrate. <laughs> and, and then I real, and then I, and then I realized, um, you know, I don't have time to be doing this every 10, 12 minutes. Um, so, so, you know, that was, that was a learning lesson. Um, and, and we were just, I was just going to have to go as I was going. Um, but but yeah, I know a lot of learning lessons in that one, but, but really relieved that, that it was finished. Yeah, it reminds me, you talked about the perception that Buffalo is right there. Yeah, I remember it reminds me of golfing in the mountains, you know, like being at Banff and, and I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm at the tee deck and I think, you know, if I really connect with a, with a good driver, I can probably bounce it off the mountain onto the fairway. <laughs> I mean, because it looks so close, but it's like miles away, but it looks like it's right there. So. Mm-hmm. I know that, that 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 your perception changes when you're out there. So now you're on to Lake Huron, the second stop. Okay, so that is a big lake. All you see here is open is- water. Did you feel at times that, like you weren't even going anywhere? Did it seem like that? Yeah. So this lake was probably the uh, Lake Huron and Lake Michigan were both really rough for me. Um, this one. You know, the weather changed probably five different times while we were out there. You know, the, the sky would open up and the sun would be there. And then suddenly it would get very cold and we'd have to put layers on me and I had to put on a winter hat. Um, you know, this was the first overnight crossing. Um, you know, the temperature at night got really cold. Um, I was wearing two winter hats. I was wearing winter gloves. Um, we had, I, I put on a hoodie and then a, like a winter coat on top of my wetsuit. Um, this was, this was the big, this was the big one. Um, at times, you know, this was the first one that we went through the night. Um, we started at 6a, 6am in the morning. Um, and, and then we went all day. And then through the night, into the sunset, into the dark, into the next day. 
Um, and, uh, and yeah, no, this was the, this was the one that I got probably very, I got very emotional with. Mm-hmm. So after the warm up Lake Erie, now you're going, you're talking about 28 and a half hours later when you reached Codrich. And at that point, it looked like you, you could barely stand up and you talked about being emotional. It's uh, yeah. Yeah, no, the, um, so we, we did have a medical emergency on that crossing. Um, the Canadian Coast Guard came out to, to just check that I was okay. Um, there was a situation with, with, um, with, with, you know, how I was going in the bathroom. Um, so, so I was just going in and what was happening was it was going down my wetsuit and, um, and it was catching in my boots. And you know, when you're swimming, your feet prune, um, my feet pruned so much that I couldn't stand on them for the last 10 hours, um, because it was so painful. Um, but, but no, I had an amazing team. Um, you know, we, we took off, I took off my, my wet boots eventually and, and had them dry. And we actually put, I think my Walmart bags on top of them. Um, and, and yeah, no, it was a big, real, big relief to, to get that one done. It was, uh, that was kind of the one that, that said, okay, it's, it's on for the rest of them. Well, I guess if you can do anything now, <clears throat> how long does it take to uh, <clears throat> to get now to Lake Superior to get the next to start the next lake? So we were actually supposed to do Lake Michigan next. Um, unfortunately, with the with the weather, um, you know, it was just Im- impossible. Lake Michigan was un- uncooperative. Um, so, so I made the decision. I I told the team, okay, let's pack up get in the car and let's go and um and so we drove uh to wisconsin which was just under 20 hours took three days um me being in the cars a little bit tricky for for that amount of time so we decided to break it up into into three three days to get there and um and we were going to cross from from wisconsin into into the state of minnesota and, um, and it was wild, you know, we, we crossed over by Sudbury, um, and, and right, right over the border is the, uh, Great Lakes Shipping Museum. So we stopped at the, at the museum and, and I'm realizing like, we shouldn't be seeing this if we're going to cross Lake Superior. Like there's, there's the bell from the Edmund Fitzgerald. There's the bell from right. the Edmund Fitzgerald and, and we're going to go across this thing. But, um, yeah. but it was, it was pretty cool to see, um, you know, what, what Lake Superior can do. And even in the, um, even in the night before, um, you know, I, I had support crews that were out there surfing on Lake Superior and, and they said, you're going to go to bed and um, and all these waves are going to go and it's going to be really flat tomorrow and um, and it's going to be our window. Uh, we're going to have about 10 hours and uh, and you're just going to make a run for it. And um, and we did. And and we were forecasting that it was going to take about 15 hours. But the wind was at my back for this one. 
Um, and, and it was pushing us and we arrived, we arrived, um, in, in eight hours, we arrived seven hours early. Wow. So eight hours is, is, uh, is a nice, a lot better than 15. And, uh, and now Lake Superior, when you think of it, yeah, you think of the wreck of the Edmonds Fitzgerald and Gordon Lightfoot and, and, uh, and, uh, yeah, it's a scary lake, big, cold, big, cold lake, but, uh, it, it turned out to be much the easiest and. Here you go, landing in Minnesota, Rocky Shore. Oh, number yeah. three. Way to go, baby. Number three. Number, number three. Yeah, no, we, um, you know, people, people ask me what my favorite crossing is all the time. Um, Lake Superior is, is very, is, is very special. Um, and I think that's just because of the history um, you know, the Edmund Fitzgerald and, and the stories of it. Um, also the way that I was received, um, and my team, um, when we drove to Wisconsin and even when we got into Wisconsin and then when we arrived in Minnesota, um, the way that we were received and, um, it, you know, I, I didn't really expect that as a Canadian. Um, but it, it was, it was, it was, you know, very special. Speaking of which, uh, we just saw the, the Canadian flag there, and uh, you just posted recently, you know, I was advised during the third cross career between the two U.S., between the U.S. and but the guy, because uh, the American media wouldn't, wouldn't be following you again, wouldn't be interested if you flew the Canadian flag, but uh, apparently... Uh, that wasn't the case, and he really wanted to make a statement that a Canadian got this done, right? Yeah, no, I thought, you know, this is the first time that the Great Lakes are all going to be done on a paddleboard consecutively in one summer. Um, I thought it was important that that this be remembered, that this, you know, a Canadian did this. And... Um, and yeah, no, I was advised, um, you know, the American networks aren't really going to probably pay attention to a Canadian. And, um, and no, all the, all the local affiliates, the, the ABC, NBC, Fox, CBS, they were all there. Um, CBS took it national. Um, and that was the crossing that, that kind of got, it got the attention of, Jan Arden and Rick Hansen, Michael Landsberg, Arlene Dickinson, um, you know, federal members of parliament across the country. Um, and it's kind of, you know, it's kind of when, when everything kind of kicked off. Um, so, so yeah, no, I, I, I'm glad that I put up the flag. I told, <laughs> I was told not to put up a flag, but, but I, I thought, no, I, you know, I'm a Canadian and, and I want, I want, I want this to be remembered as as this being done by a Canadian and by a Canadian team. Right on, perfect. Okay, next up, Michigan. Uh, this time we got some great night. Is that a miner's light you're wearing? Yes, it is. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so this is actually interesting. Like, like Huron, I couldn't see across to the other side. Lake Superior, we couldn't see across only because of the dense, dense fog, fog that we were in all day. Um, with this one, I could see 
um, to the other side of Lake Michigan, I could see Chicago. Um, I could see one building. And then one building became three buildings. And then it became five buildings. And then by the time that the sun was going down that that day, um, I could see the outline of the city. And, and we were we were about roughly 12 hours from making landfall when, when the sun went down. Um, Lake Michigan, the, the nighttime was, um, it, it was a rough crossing, uh, but it was, it was really cool. We saw some, some ships, uh, that were out there. We went through some big shipping lanes and, and, um, and yeah, no, it was, um, it, it was uh, it was pretty spectacular to to arrive in Chicago. Twenty seven and a half hours. Uh, sees you come ashore in Chicago. Now this is uh, by this time four lakes under under your belt, and it must have felt uh, pretty tiring. Yeah, I was very tired. We were supposed to we'd scheduled the the final crossing of Lake Ontario. Uh, for August the 13th, um, that week, um, if the, if the weather would be, uh, cooperative, uh, my team decided that we were going to delay it an extra week to 10 days, uh, to give my body more rest. Um, just, you know, it's five marathons back to back and, um, mm-hmm. and, and my body was done. Um, but, but yeah, no. Going into the Lake Ontario one, I was very, um, you know, I had four under my belt, but in the back of my mind, I still remember 2021 and what happened out there. Right. Um, so, you know, in the media, I kept on making statements like, I'm happy with how things have gone. And, uh, yeah. and you know, whatever happens, happens. You know, I, I wanted it to happen. Um, but, but no, those were, um, yeah, no, that, that was, you know, definitely top of mind. Um, I, I'd been through, I know what can happen on these lakes and, um, and getting through four, I, I was extremely lucky. Um, you know, there are people, there are swimmers who try to swim across one lake and, and they try to do it multiple times in one season because they can't make it across because of the weather because anything can happen out there. Um, but, but no, very, very excited um, and very, very anxious about that last crossing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you embark uh, on that last journey, the last leg, fifth and final leg. Uh, takes you 21 and a half hours to get across. Uh, and, you know, you're, 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 you mentioned you're feeling, you know, pretty beat up by this time uh and uh what what kept you going what what was it that you said to yourself uh i gotta do this so i actually think that the lake ontario crossing was probably the easiest of all the crossings um in that the weather was the was the best of all of them um the only time it really acted up out there was was the very end coming into Toronto, maybe the last hour. Um, but we had great weather um, for that crossing. 
Um, that evening, there were a few situations um, that happened out on the water. One, I was sick on the water for the first time. Um, I started throwing up and we were worried uh, because, you know, when you start losing your, um, your nutrition, um, you, you start fading very, very quickly. Um, so, so that was a little bit of a concern. Um, and, and we also had a, had a visitor, we had a bat, um, that, that started circling our, our boat. And I think, you know, they were all panicking and freaked out. I was, I was, I think I was just tired and and not a bat. Yeah. So I kept on circling and swooping down. Um, and, um, yeah, so that was interesting. We had a visitor. Um, but, but yeah, no, it was, you know, coming into the Harbor, um, you know, the weather picked up, um, and, and, and we just fought through it. And I just remembered thinking, um, this is the very end. Um, and I, I knew, I knew that, you know, like my mental health journey, um, I was going to, I was going to come out of this eventually. Um, and, and it, you know, nothing, nothing lasts forever. So, um, so yeah, so we, we entered the Toronto Harbor and we were met by the, the Toronto Marine Police Unit, sent out, um, a fleet of boats, um, the Canadian Coast Guard, the Marine Fire Brigade, a bunch of paddleboarders and kayakers were there and, and it, yeah, it was just, it was a pretty crazy day. Okay. So well, this Mike, back on shore, they're setting up for your arrival. And when you get there, there's a massive crowd that has assembled. Uh, how did you feel when you saw that? So, you know, I was very overwhelmed um, by the response on the water, by the response on land, um, by, by people, um, you know, I was also very tired. Um, this wasn't just a 21 hour crossing. This was, a, I was probably up for eight or nine hours before that crossing. Um, so, you know, being up for 30 hours and then doing something so physical and then, you know, getting there, it was, it was, and then having cameras in your face, it was, it was, it was a lot, but, um, but no, I, I remember, I remember it very vividly and, um, and I remember the people that were there and, and, and the hugs and, and seeing people and my mom and, uh, and my dad and, and, and my friends and, and, you know, just, just people who wanted to come out and support and, and yeah, no, it was, it was very, uh, it meant, it meant a lot. Mike, you talked about, you know, having your mom and dad there to greet you and, and, and friends and everything else all there to greet you. But another person that was there to, to greet you was uh, Mayor Hazel McCallion, who we, who we lost recently. Tell us about uh, meeting Mayor Hazel. So, you know, I have, throughout all of this, um, you know, the crossing started in May. I began gathering support across the province of Ontario, probably in February. I traveled to, I'm going to say 23, 
23 different cities across Ontario, and I met with 23 different mayors. Um, and I asked for their support uh, behind the scenes um, and the support of their city councils um, in advance. So everywhere from Niagara to Toronto to Barrie, um, all the way to Ottawa. Um, so it was amazing to have that support. But to have, um, to have Hazel, Hazel McCallion uh, show up at the final crossing um, you know, very special. She's, you know, she was, she was 101 and, um, mm-hmm. and she thought that, you know, this was, you know, this, this deserved to have her attention and, um, and that's a big honor. Um, and, uh, no, it was, it was very special to me and, and to the organization and, and to the people that were supporting it, and um, I'm very cool. I got to um, I got to have a butter tart with her, which was my first solid food when I got on board. Uh, it was probably one of my favorite butter tarts of all time. And uh, and yeah, no, she's a she's a big part of this story. And um, and you know, she was she was a force. We will we will miss her very much. We lost another champion uh, uh, of inclusion recently too, in, in David Onley, and I know he was a big supporter of yours. So it, it's been a tough little while, hasn't it? Yeah, no, I feel like um, there's been a lot of loss with these crossings. Um, in that, there were a lot of people who who supported them who who aren't here anymore. Um, in September. We learned, um, you know, when I crossed Lake Huron, I was greeted on shore by uh, Mayor John Grace of Goderich. Um, and at the end of at the end of the summer, he um, he di- he died in he died quite tragically on Lake Superior. Um, and and then David Onley, who who had his hand in orchestrating political support for this um his his passing um you know that happened and and then hazel and um yeah no it's been uh it's it's been quite interesting i didn't really um you know when you do these things i guess what happens is you have amazing people rally around you and um and and you get to know them and and they get to know you and 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 that's part of it and and it's very special um but but to lose 3 um quite quickly is uh it's it's been challenging for your work you received accolades from coast to coast Rick Hansen of course mayors politicians you touched on that and and a letter of congratulations from prime minister trudeau uh, that that must be pretty cool. Is that uh, kind of the, the capper? Yeah, um, I'm actually heading to Ottawa the week after next to to meet him in person, um, which um, which is very cool that that has been set up and that that has happened. Um, you know that this has been acknowledged by you know the 
the Legislative Assembly of Ontario and the House of Commons and and why the Prime Minister's office is, is very special. I think, you know, this is this was to raise funding and awareness for mental health programs for kids and for youth across Canada. And um and that uh, this is being acknowledged and recognized um is 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 very nice for the organization. It uh, it sends a message to to the people that the organization supports, um, and and to and to me it's a big and to me and my team it's a, it's a very big honor. Now there's a documentary soon to be released. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I um, I had a film crew. Um, a lot of that footage that you showed earlier. Uh, was taken by by the film crew um, that was following me. Um, I've been my life has been followed for the last ten months. Uh, the cameras have now stopped rolling, which is kind of nice. Um, but but yeah, no, they've um, they've been following my journey across the lakes um, and examining the Canadian mental health crisis. So. So I, um, you know, we we set out to to get interviews with all the leading mental health organizations across Canada, um, CAMH, Talk Suicide Canada, um, Sick Not Weak with Michael Landsberg, who's featured in the film, um, a number of them, um, and and we'll be talking, you know, about the mental health crisis and where Canada falls short. Um, and, and what can be done to, you know, to, to make the situation better. It is, it is a call to action. Um, and it's a, it's a 90 minute feature, um, that, that will premiere in, uh, in August, September. Um, and it will run in film festivals, probably across Canada and the United States beginning, beginning the summer. Well, well, we're looking forward to seeing that, Mike. Uh, I, you know, like you've raised hundreds of thousands of dollars through your galas and everything else you've 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 done uh, that a lot of people don't know about that piece of it. Um, uh, you know, for mental health, for youth and, and disability support programs. Uh, I wanted to say that uh, you know it, it, this is awesome the work you've done. I can't wait for the documentary, and I can't wait for the for the next piece in in, in Mike Shoreman's. Uh, you know, journey. Um, if you want to follow Mike, uh, you, he's available on Twitter at Mike Shorman, uh, Instagram, Mike underscore Shorman, uh, LinkedIn and Mike Shorman. And uh, I want to say, Mike, thank you. For, uh, congratulations for, for all your accomplishments. And, and uh, thank you for taking the time to join us here today. Uh, you are a true Canadian hero and uh, it's been great having mm-hmm. you on. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for, for having me. And, and, Always, uh, always nice to chat with you, Joe. Say hi to your mom. <laughs> Number one <laughs> fan. <laughs> All, right. All right. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> we'll have more. Okay. <laughs> Joe Tilly's Great Canadian Sports Show is brought to you by... Addiction Rehab Toronto, Toronto's number one alcohol and drug treatment center, saving lives, reuniting families. The only treatment center in the province to offer medical detox, treatment, sober living, and lifetime aftercare all in one place. 
Our unique and specialized programs are designed to equip our clients with the tools to successfully lead a life of dignity, respect, and purpose. Let us help save your life or your loved one's life. Call today for more information or to facilitate an intervention. 1-855-787-2424 or visit addictionrehabtoronto.ca. Excuse me, have you heard of the new Divot app? There's a Divot app? No, but there is a Divot. And we're gonna have to do something about that. It's simple, just pick up the Divot and replace it. All sorted, have a good round. Visit moregolf.ca. You'll find everything a golfer could need from balls, gloves, clubs, custom fitting opportunities, training gear, valuable accessories, and some great deals. Looking for that perfect gift idea for the golfer in your life? Go to moregolf.ca today. My Costa Swiss pick of the week. Two weeks ago, I picked our hot toddy in the eighth of Bohawk. Unable to hold that lead. This time out, I went with Bella Cabella in the ninth with our hot toddy in the exacta. Unfortunately, Bella Cabella had an early break, but our hot toddy did not disappoint. Coming from well off the pace, found some room between horses to win at 11 to 1. Bob McClure drove for Stephen Bossens, the 271 trifecta. Paid $1,270.60. Bella Cabella rallied for fifth, but was placed eighth. This week, ah, call me stubborn, but I like Bella Cabella to get it done in Thursday night's fourth race of Mohawk. This time, she won't break from the four post. James McDonald drives for Rick Moreau. I like to throw in a 2410 exacta and trifecta box. For all the racing updates, visit Coach TV on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Go to hbibet.com for your wagering options. Joe Tilly Sports is brought to you by COSA, Central Ontario Standard Bread Association, providing a united voice for harness horse people racing at Ontario tracks. Check out your benefits today at COSAonline.com and check out COSA TV on Facebook and YouTube for all the latest harness news and live action updates. Live racing year-round. Go to hpibet.com for all your wagering options. Become a member today, and your first bet is free. That's hpibet.com. This is the Excellent Sports Adventure. Brought to you by Lycom. Well, did you think that the Maple Leafs were done trading? Wrong. The Buds have made another sizable acquisition. They get defenseman Jake McCabe and forward Sam Lafferty from Chicago for a conditional first-round pick in 2025 and a second-rounder in 26. The key here is McCabe, a solid stay-at-home defender with the very low salary cap hit. I love the deal. Lee's trying to hang on to second spot in the Atlantic Division. Wild in town. William Nylander with a steal. And check out the hands on this guy. Like stick handling in a phone booth. Nylander with his 33rd goal of the season. Leafs over Mitty. Two to one. 
Gleason get open a five-game road trip in Seattle. A Mariner carries in, takes the return feed from Michael Bent, Bunting. Mitchie Marner with a sweet feed in front for Austin Matthews. Matthews with a pair. Marner with three helpers. Luis baked the Kraken five to one. You know, I thought tonight, uh, just as a line, as a team, you know, after we gave up the first goal, I thought we really just dialed in our game and, uh, you know, throughout the, the rest of the game, got ourselves a good lead there after the first and um, we were able to kind of fend off their push in the second and close it down in the third period. So, um, you know, I thought a lot of really good areas uh, for us tonight in our game. Is this Mitch at his best right now? Like, what are you seeing from him? Yeah, he's just he's dialed in. You can just see it every uh, every game. I mean, he's uh, he just makes unbelievable plays. He's got great poise, and uh, I mean, he's just a lot of fun to watch, a lot of fun to play with. And uh, you know, we just want to continue to keep this going through uh, throughout this road trip. Like I said, it's uh, it's definitely an important one. A battle between two Canadian clubs in Montreal. Derek Broussard feeds back to Travis Hamadik. Hamadik's blast redirected by Austin Watson. Send sink to Habs five two. Oilers rally from four goals down against the Blue Jackets. Furious pressure. Brett Kulak gives to Connor McDavid a rocket. McDee's second of the game, 48th of the season. Tie game, but the oil let it slip away. The Jackets prevail 6-5. to five. As if his season wasn't already amazing enough. Linus Allmark has joined a very elite group. Allmark, the 16th goalie in NHL history to score a goal. The 29-year-old leads all net miners in wins. Goals against average, save percentage, and now goals. The odds on favorite to win the Vezina Trophy. Another big weekend for the Toronto Six. We waltzed into Minnesota, knocked off the Whitecaps. Terza Venezova bangs it home in a goal scramble. Elaine truly made 36 saves. Six over the Caps, one nothing. The next day, they throttled the Caps 7-1. to one. Well, the Raptors seem to be finding their stride at just the right time. Facing the Pistons in Motown. Have a look at this move by Pascal Siakam. That almost broke some ankles. P-Skills with a phenomenal play and a foul. Siakam with 29. Scotty Barnes up to Gary Trent Jr. for three of his 19. Raps win for the seventh time in eight games, 95-91. But they got thumped in Cleveland. Fred Van Bleek returns this week after becoming a dad for the third time. Toronto FC let one slip away in the season opener. The Reds led D.C. United 2-1 late in this game in injury time, but D.C. scored twice in injury time to pull it out. Theodore Cudipietro scored the winner for the host side eight minutes into the extra time, his first MLS goal. The Grapefruit League season is underway, and Vlad Guerrero Jr. showed no signs of rust. Vlad Lamb basted this David Bednar offering 432-foot laser. Rookie hopeful Addison Barger, Santiago Espinal also went deep. Yusei Kikuchi had a couple awesome innings, striking out five. Everyone seems to be raving about the new rules to speed up play. Tommy Fury over Jake Paul? Well, you can't say I didn't tell you so. As a matter of fact, I did tell you so. I made that prediction about a month and a half ago. I said that Fury's experience and boxing skills would shine through. His jab was sharp. He had the edge and speed. He snuck in some nice uppercuts in that right-hand lead. Now, as expected as well, Jake had the edge and power. In fact, he dropped Fury in the eighth round, although that probably could have been called a slip. And I told you that the fight would go the distance and that Fury would walk away 
with the decision. And there's just enough controversy to make you think they'll probably do it again in about six months' time, and we'll probably watch. All right, Saren Mitten is on top of the world. The 26-year-old from Liverpool, Nova Scotia, who trains in Toronto through a personal best and meet record 19.76 meters to capture the women's shot put title at the World Indoor Tour Athletics Championships in Madrid, Spain. That's one strong gal, no doubt about that. Let's hear for Dave Pelashock, our old pal, who had an ace on 16 at Clearwater a Golf Club in Florida. Nice shot from Don Marshall here as well at El Tigre. Today's environmental tip, plant a tree. Trees produce oxygen and improve air quality. Trees take in carbon dioxide and store harmful carbon. Trees prevent soil erosion and help lessen flooding. Trees lower temperature by providing shade and cooling water evaporation. RICOM, passionate people who turn complicated business problems into simplified technology solutions for public and private sector real estate, properties, portfolios, and enterprise customers. Optimize and future-proof smart buildings from the ground up. The latest in fault locating, base building network design, managed services, cybersecurity, data analytics. Our fault detection will support all smart strategies, define projected outcomes for capital planning, and reduce environmental impact. RICOM, smart protection solutions, at RICOM, we're building a path to a smart and environmentally friendly future. And we want to thank all the folks who make this show possible. These are friends, trusted business associates, and all-around great folks. We highly recommend them all. We want to thank you for your support of Canadian and local sports. And a reminder that the show is available on iTunes, Spotify, Breaker, Radio Public, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, as well as the Spanglish Network, Zingo TV, and Buzz TV Live. You also really want to check out our YouTube channel. Past shows are available there, weekly sportscasts, shorts, all kinds of cool segments. Like and subscribe, folks. It's absolutely free. Thanks once again to Mike Shorman for being on the program. Thank you for watching. We'll see you next time. Do you want to buy or sell a home? Could 31 years of real estate experience help you? Why not speak to an amazing team that loves to overpromise and overdeliver? Aldo has a tremendous team of experts on staff. They are committed to making your next real estate transaction smooth and comfortable. Call 416 Get Aldo or visit getaldo.com. Brian Gribben Insurance Planning helping you solidify your financial future. At BGIP, what we do that's unique in the marketplace is we show people how to spend and enjoy their money in their early years of retirement without the fear of running out. Also, we're able to do this without you having to change financial advisors. 
Please look us up at bgip.ca today. Let's book a 30-minute phone call to see how we can bring value to you and your family in your planning. Call Brian today for all your retirement needs. We did. 905-686-5678. MNP, a leading Canadian national accounting tax and business accounting firm. MNP proudly serves in response to the need of their clients in the private, public, and nonprofit sectors. Through partner-led engagements, MNP provides a collaborative, cost-effective approach to do business and personal strategies to help people and organizations to succeed across the country and around the world. With local offices in Oshawa, Mississauga, Burlington, and more, their team is here to support you. Visit mnp.ca today to learn more. Guests on Joe Tilly Sports receive a gift certificate from Classica Imports, top-of-the-line imported men's clothing. Check out the Classica Essential Collection now. Go to shopclassica.com.